Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Ford. I'm back this week with another solo episode. Don't worry, I have not given up on guests and I have a few already recorded in the bank that I will be sharing very soon. But I felt this episode subject in my bones this week and as such, I'm compelled to talk about it. I feel like sharing with you here will give me some sort of release and maybe it will do the same for you if you recognize yourself here. And um, Maybe even as you listen, you'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that this was something I was feeling, but now I can recognize it. And sometimes there's a lot of freedom in that too. So I just need to get it all off my chest. And while I would usually go to social media for that, I feel like maybe it's better put here because um, social media is kind of the problem. So I'm not sure how well received it would be over there. I have been observing how I'm feeling over the last few weeks and noticing what I'm doing that makes me feel like crap and what I'm doing that makes me feel nice and calm and at ease. And I have come to the conclusion again and again that social media is maybe the root cause of any and all anxiety that I'm feeling right now for several reasons, all of which I'll chat about here. So the anxiety I feel these days, it's normal day-to-day stuff. I'm not crippled by the anxiety that I was when I first started writing about anxiety um, when, you know, I was just trying to get through the day. This is more day-to-day stuff that I think, I mean, most people will probably experience to some degree and relate to. So maybe it's just a time of year or maybe I'm just in a bit of a funk because I was, I know in my last episode I was talking about being unwell. But while social media has both good and bad aspects to it, and it certainly was beneficial to me when I when I first had Kaylin and it made me feel connected and it made me feel less lonely and more supported. I'm noticing that lately it is having almost only a negative impact on my mental health. And I'm pretty sure if I move if I removed social media from my life entirely, I wouldn't feel anywhere near the level of day-to-day anxieties that I'm grappling with, be it social comparison or imposter syndrome or self-criticism 
or just the constant feeling of pressure to keep up and the fear that you're not doing enough, which I think is something so many of us feel. Why not get rid of it then, you might be asking. Well, it's just not that simple. First of all, I think it's a full-blown phone addiction. My therapist said that it's actually recognised. She said phone addiction is recognised by the WHO. I'm not sure if that's true. I haven't um, had a chance to check it up. But it's definitely got all of the attributes of an addictive behaviour. So, I mean, it's near impossible to step away from it with just sheer willpower alone, especially when you consider how these apps and the phone itself is designed to keep you coming back for more and keep you scrolling from just one end of the day to the other. If I know with a plan, I could definitely wean myself off it. And I honestly, I often fantasize about how freeing it would be to step away and not need to be on it for work, win the lotto and never have to post again and not be greeted by a new series of videos each day telling me how I should or shouldn't be wearing skinny jeans anymore or how my bathroom should look or how my hallway should look. But the biggest thing holding me back from taking my life entirely offline is that I really depend on it for work. And if I walk away from it, I walk away from income. So I have to figure out a way to make it work in a way that serves me well. And I can utilize it for for the benefits that it gives while also protecting my mental health. The thing is, there are very few businesses or fields of work now that don't have a digital element, if not a social media element as well. For example, every time I release an episode, I will go over to social media and I will create some lovely images and videos on Canva and I will promote it over there. And people who maybe aren't already subscribed will see it. That's the most simple example of how I can utilize it and need it for work. If I release a new book, I mean, I would be relying on it so heavily um, to get the word out. As I'm gearing up to launch Owning It Real Time, which you may have heard me talk about in January, my social media efforts will have to double down again to just create awareness of the series. And being completely honest, unless you're a major bestseller on like an international scale, if I was to write another book, which I do hope to do, I would unlikely land a book deal without bringing my social media following to the table. It's often the first question that's asked of writers, like whatever about the story, it's like, well, what's their following like? Then once they know you're bankable in that regard, they'll consider the book idea and the quality of your writing. But unfortunately, how popular you are tends to come first. And having a strong following makes all of your work endeavours that bit more doable, especially if you're selling something to an audience. If it was this alone, just books and podcasts, I would probably be able to look at it like an extension of work and part of a business and have a bit of separation there. But what I'm selling or what I'm sharing is me. So it's very hard to create that sense of separation or delineation between personal life and work life because my personal life is my work life, whether it's me talking here on podcasts or writing columns in newspapers or books or sharing just my day to day life. I I can't pull away from it myself without pulling away entirely. First of the long list of reasons that it's making me feel anxious is the pressure to keep posting when you don't feel like you have anything worthy of posting. Now this might be an anxiety that's more unique to content creators or people who have to be on for for specific reasons. To be active on social media and to retain a certain level of engagement from your audience so that it will be beneficial to you when you need to promote something. You can't just post the odd time when the mood strikes you. You have to be at it all the time. Obviously, I share my life, my very ordinary life, my experience as a parent, my day to day. And it used to be just like the odd snap here and there, but now it's it's 24-7. It's constant. It's videos, be it stories in real time or reels. You're advised now. I mean, if if you were to be playing the game properly, you'd be creating a new reel every day. 
and you're turning everything into a reel and you're looking at your life thinking, how can I create content out of this? A reel of your morning routine, a reel of your outfit of the day, a reel of your trip to a new restaurant, a reel of you walking the dog in the park. There's a constant pressure to play the game. And if you're a content creator in particular and maintain your following, maybe I'm just growing a bit weary of it, but it is exhausting looking at your life in terms of how you can create content from it all the time. And it's unsettling when you get to a point where you realize that you're looking at your life in terms of what might do well on Instagram. And I think this so easily happens for a lot of us without us realizing it. Like you're having a lovely moment and you think, oh, this would do really well. This would get a good reaction. I've been noticing that if I don't take a photo or a video of something, it's like my moments in real life fall flat if they're not also shared online. I don't want the quality of my real life moments to depend on their existence in the digital space. I just, I don't want to get to that point. And even if it does get a good reaction and you feel like a bit of a buzz from it, I don't think whether it does well or not, I don't think the impact that it has on how you feel in any way is necessarily good for you. Obviously, you know, doing creating content about your life for a while is exciting. You get a good reaction. You know, if you start to get a following, it's kind of motivating and it's doable. And it's easy if you've got lots of exciting things on and you're out about and about every day. But when you're at home and you're under the weather and you're not wearing makeup and you're not going to any fancy events and you don't have very much to say, the pressure to go and create social media moments can feel like a bit much. Now, thankfully, I made a decision long ago to say no to the pressure to betray a certain look of perfection on Instagram, knowing that if I was to subscribe to that, I would quite literally explode. And after I had Kaylin, I just knew I was not going to be able to cope unless I had the freedom to post my reality, which was so the opposite of what I was seeing online. So I said I was always going to keep it real. But even the pressure to keep being real is a lot and always having something like interesting or profound to say. You're almost looking for things to say or thoughts to have to share or discussions to start. And since I've been unwell this last week, I've been panicking, thinking, oh my God, like I haven't posted anything in ages. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to share. And then you start to think, am I just not interesting? And it just, it it brings like a level of narcissism into your life that I never would have thought about before. In some ways it's so beneficial, but I think it can like bring out the worst in us too. When you get so caught up in measuring your self-worth on numbers and reach and insights and not at all measuring it on the stuff that really matters. So that's one anxiety. And again, like I say, that might not be relevant to everyone. That might just be something that people who are content creators feel. Beyond the pressure on you to share, there's the pressure coming from what you are consuming. And this is something I asked on Instagram, everyone is feeling. Now, this is no disrespect to anyone or any particular type of content, but when you have countless different videos and posts coming at you, it can't not impact you. You can't not receive that content from the perspective of where you're at and what's going on in your life. And for me, the resulting feeling is not one of inspiration, but one of pressure. Every time I scroll through Instagram's newsfeed, I come away feeling flat or anxious that I'm not doing enough. I don't look good enough. My house doesn't look good enough. My weekends don't seem exciting enough. That old idea of comparing your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlights reel hasn't gone away. It's actually gotten more intense because there is that much more content to get busy comparing with. Apart from the pressure to keep posting or the social comparison with who you're following, I find Instagram is creating this constant unquenchable want in me for more. 
more stuff, more clothes, better decor at home. It's just endless. And I don't need more stuff. It's especially intense now in this month because we're it's coming up to Black Friday, which now has just morphed into Black November. It's just, it's not even just one day anymore. And this, of course, will be followed by what will no doubt be lots of perfectly curated Christmases. And I find myself then, like, this is so silly, but looking at my hallway, which is a perfectly functioning, sometimes a lot of the time, untidy hallway, and thinking that I need to overhaul it and make it Pinterest worthy, which means spending money I don't need to be spending. And it's driving behaviors in me that I think I'm doing for me, but are all entirely concerned with outward appearance. And that is having a negative effect on how I feel inwardly. Because the satisfaction you get from those things lasts all of five minutes before you are reminded of another area of your life that needs improving. And off you go in search of that dopamine hit. Even if you're not being encouraged to buy something, you're encouraged by the way it's designed to keep picking up the phone and refreshing your newsfeed or your likes for comments, interactions, as though it's like a slot machine in your pocket. And I think the very act of reaching for the phone, God knows how many times a day, has become the most widely experienced physical tick of the 21st century. And that might sound dramatic, but I'd say it's true. Don't you feel that constantly clicking through all of those apps is fueling at least some kind of baseline level of like fizzing anxiety, like just this kind of like the noise that your TV makes when it's on standby and it's not quite off? That's what's happening for me. With such easy access to dopamine hits in my pocket, social media has made me intolerable of boredom. Like I can't, I can't stand the feeling of being idle now. And ironically, the feeling of being idle for a lot of us brings up feelings of anxiety. We're not used to being still. And so we reach for the phone, which only keeps us stuck on this anxiety loop long term. So what might seem as a short-term release or reward might be contributing to more long-term dissatisfaction with your life and how you're spending your time. So I asked Instagram, I wanted to know if it was just me and I went there uh, and I I asked some questions, ironically, uh, to the place where I was feeling so um, disconnected and I got really interesting response. So I asked does social media make you feel, this was a poll, mostly makes me feel good, mostly makes me feel pressure or overwhelm or doesn't affect me. 55% said mostly makes me feel pressure or overwhelm. So that's the overwhelming majority. Only 17% could say it makes them feel good. And 28%, which is probably the ideal, said that it doesn't affect them. And that's where I want to get to, where I can use it and be honest, but it's not giving me a high that I'm going to be chasing, but also doesn't give me a feeling of not being worthy enough. I asked then, if you do feel pressure with social media, is it keeping up with it? Is it pressure to always have something to post? Is it comparing yourself to others or all of the above? This proved my point that the anxiety about the pressure to post is probably unique to content creators because only 9% said it was pressure of keeping up. 3% said pressure of always having something to post because I think a lot of people just go on and consume and don't post. 77% said comparing yourself to others is where they fall down, and 11% said all of the above. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I asked, how do you feel when you step away from social media for like a day or something? A lot of people DM'd me then and said, you need a third option, which says I've never actually done that or I, I couldn't even bring myself to try stepping away from it because my only options were it makes you feel anxious to get back to it or check in or it makes you feel calmer. This was interesting because 59% said they feel calmer, but 41% said they feel anxious to get back at it and check in. And then when I pursued this further, people said that actually they feel both because they feel first that initial withdrawal of feeling anxious to get back in, anxious that they're missing out on something. And when they push through that and they they keep going and they distract themselves with something else or they remind themselves of what's important to them or they bring themselves back to the moment and their real life, then they feel calmer. I asked, do you have any boundaries in place with social media? And if so, what are they? For example, putting a time limit on apps like Instagram. A lot of people responded saying time limits, I've stopped looking at it during, so this is a a person who is a um, new mother. I've stopped looking at it during night feeds as that's when I feel most vulnerable. And that's very true because in the middle of the night, your prefrontal cortex has kind of gone offline, um, which I'll be talking about in owning it real time, which means your ability to like rationalize and reason and and reassure yourself in calm and anxious response. You're, you're not at the best, you're not in the, your brain's not in the best shape for that because it's off being cleansed of the day. Someone else said, I've tailored accounts I follow, so they're all positive accounts, real life accounts, so no comparing or judging myself. I immediately unfollow any account making me feel bad. This is my space. A lot of people said, no, I have no boundaries. I really wish that I could have boundaries in place. I have the time limit too, but I always just ignore it. Someone says, not following many mom or toddler advice accounts makes me feel like a bad mom. I know what that feels like. I ignore the time limit every day. I think keeping busy with other things is the only way I avoid it. I delete the app when I notice it's affecting me. A few days or weeks off makes me view it differently. I take a week off every month and try to stick to it. That is very healthy. Someone says, I have an Android phone and I use digital balance. I'm not really sure what that is. It must be some sort of functionality. I'm an iPhone user. I only use Instagram to follow down-to-earth, honest, uplifting, real people. I don't go on it again once I've gone upstairs to get ready for bed and I try not to start the day on it. I got my boyfriend to add AppLock to Insta. I don't know the code. I need him to log in. It stops me mindlessly opening it. That's an extreme measure and one I might have to take at some point. A lot of people saying they just try not to go on first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Um, I, I keep saying this. I'm better at it at night. I'm better at not going on it once I 
open my Kindle. But first thing in the morning, it's like I've gotten used to picking up the phone and turning on the apps as a way to wake me up. Like it just brings your mind online. And then that grogginess and that tiredness is easier to overcome. So that's some of what I shared on Instagram. Let me see if I had any more polls. Oh yes, I asked what's your daily screen time like? Mine lately is, this might sound bad, three and a half hours-ish, sometimes more. Only 14% said they were on Instagram or on their screens for less than two hours a day. 54% were like me, two to four hours. And 33% said four plus hours. Like when you think about the amount of time in your lifetime dedicated to being on your screen, if that's not serving you well, if that's not time that's filling your cup or making you feel good or at least just making you feel neutral, you need to question whether you're using it in a way that's benefiting you or doing you harm in the long term. So the anxiety from all of what I've just described, I believe, is coming up for me to act as a compass. It's a functional emotion. It's very useful and purposeful in my mind and body to remind me that this is maybe not a direction I want to be going in. This is moving me away from what's important to me. And I'm not saying this in any holier than thou, like I want to spend my time meditating. I don't, you know, I love like reality TV and just even just watching TV feels like a healthier choice. I'm only questioning it because I've noticed that it's making me feel bad. When when I first went on Instagram uh, after having my baby, I wouldn't have been able to do without it because it was so, it lifted me up. It made me feel, feel less isolated, less alone. It supported me. So it's only worth kind of looking at your behavior if it's causing you not to feel so good. I know that this anxiety I'm feeling is almost entirely down to social media consumption because on the days where I manage to step away from it or the days where I'm so busy I don't get to go on it much, I feel so much more centered. And every evening, and this is probably the only time I can hold a boundary, I get into bed and I might have a quick scroll. I try to limit it. But as soon as I take out my Kindle to read, the phone is then off for the night. I quite literally shut out the rest of the world by facing my phone down. And then I feel this sense of relief just wash over me. And that's that's something that you can't ignore. Like that's significant. I feel relief when I've put the phone away. I think I do better. And I've always said this about anxiety when my world is smaller. Um, whenever it feels really like if my anxiety in general is quite overwhelming or if I was to go through like an intense phase of anxiety, making your world smaller in a figurative sense is really helpful. So just imagining a little bubble around you and only the things that are essential and simple and basic and that you need to get through the day that make you feel good only those things are allowed in i don't think any of us were ever meant to have access to this much content this much information or that many people or that many opinions and certainly not have it all at our fingertips or especially in our moments when we're feeling more vulnerable when i pair things back to just me my to-do list the work things that i want to do that I want to work on without worrying about what everyone else is working on, my husband, my family, my close friends who I want to spend quality time with, everything settles. I've always said that when you feel anxious, you should start by making your world smaller. But now I think I need to proactively make it smaller to prevent the anxiety rather than waiting for the anxiety to wash over me and then making it smaller. What's the solution? I really don't know. I mean, I wish I had a really clear cut way of hacking the social media addiction so that it worked for you and not against you. I don't think anyone has this figured out yet as the technology is so new and our behaviours with it is still are, are still so new when we might come away in 10 years and be like actually this is the healthiest approach. If I step away entirely I cut myself off from lots of opportunities. That's just not doable. 
If I step away to a certain degree, I have to be willing to let a certain amount of opportunity slip as I won't retain the same engagement or following. I've tried limiting myself to X amount of minutes per day, but it's just too easy to click through and move past um, a limit that you can set. It's just, I mean, it only requires one extra click. So that's just not enough of a barrier for me. I've actually had this set for so long. I mean, it's still on my phone. I don't even see it anymore. I'm so cute. I'm so used to clicking through regardless. I would love to be able to only go on and see content from my close friends or accounts that I really want to follow as that would never feel like pressure. But even if you mute, and I've, I've tried this, even if you mute or unfollow everyone, I've muted so many accounts that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, but how they're landing on me might feel like pressure. Instagram will just keep throwing up suggested accounts to follow, more of the same. So your feed will always exist. I think for me, it's going to have to start with a break. Without screwing myself on necessary work requirements, I need to step away from all of it for a little while and remind myself what it feels like to have a smaller world, to not document everything, to live in real life, to move away from social comparison and back to temporal comparison, which is where we compare ourselves of today with ourselves in the past or the future, which is far more healthy. And I've known this for so long, but social media makes it near impossible to switch into that temporal comparison mindset. I want to just let some trends come and go without having to buy into them or give them any energy. I want to enjoy my imperfect Christmas that might not be Pinterest worthy, but will be all the richer for my presence. And when I say presents, I mean that with a C, not gifts. Stepping away entirely, it's just not a long-term solution, but a little break might be a good reset and it might help the anxiety stemming from social media to dissolve. And then when I hold this space for myself, I can maybe then figure out an approach that works for me, like I say, and not against me. Because technology is here to stay, social media can be really beneficial. I want to enjoy the benefits of social media, the connection, the fun, the opportunity, and just dial down the intensity on how it's been negatively impacting me. I want to think about boundaries that would be effective and after proving to myself that I can step back, I want to be confident that I will be able to keep certain boundaries in place, not as a punishment, but as a way to let the anxiety go. So that's just some of how I've been feeling about social media lately. It's such a double-edged sword. Um, If you follow me on social media, you might think this is uh, bizarre when I'm someone who relies on it so heavily, but I think even the most prolific Instagram people or the biggest influencers in the world um, certainly deal with their fair share of anxiety when it comes to something that's where your success and your popularity and your opportunities and how well you're doing is so measurable. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm just feeling it more because I'm so sensitive. Maybe maybe more and more people are starting to feel it like me. I don't know. Let me know. Um, If you have figured out the magic uh, formula for being on social media in a way that doesn't negatively impact your your mental health, let me know. I would always be open to hearing what works for you. Um, And thank you as always for listening. I hope that this has been, it's probably not been super helpful in that I haven't offered a solution, but hopefully it's been reassuring in that you, you know that you're not the only one feeling this way or that maybe you've just put your finger on it saying oh that's why I've been feeling this way that's what's going on and if anything having that knowledge and that awareness is always the first step to being able to do something about it is just identifying if there is a problem there in the first place and as it's something that is so commonly used and used to such a high volume I doubt that there's not more people like me out there feeling the same way and so thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you for still being with me and I will be back next week with a very special guest
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before. <laughs> 